Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this new episode of The Refill with Grace. My name is Grace Otuokere and I am the host of this show. I'm so excited because for today's episode, I do have a special guest and her name is April Waddle. April is the founder of Nurse Money Date LLC, which is a financial coaching business dedicated to helping nurses thrive financially. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the need for personalized financial education for nurses, which sparked April's passion for financial coaching. April's mission is to help nurses make more, save more, and invest more. As a certified financial education instructor and a former nurse, April understands the unique challenges that nurses face when it comes to managing their finances. She provides personalized financial education and coaching to nurses, empowering them to make informed financial decisions. She takes a holistic approach to helping her clients achieve a wide array of financial goals from becoming nurse entrepreneurs to achieving financial freedom. All right, guys, like I said, I'm super excited for this episode and thank you again for tuning in and let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome to the next episode of The Refill. My name is Grace Otrokere, I'm a registered nurse and here on The Refill, we talk about personal development for nurses and I'm so excited because today we have a special guest. Uh, her name is April Waddle of Nurse Money Date and um, April, I'm so glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Grace. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Awesome. So do you want to go ahead and just for anyone that doesn't know you or isn't familiar with you, do you want to go ahead and just go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. My name is April. I am a retired nurse. I worked in healthcare for about seven years, mainly as a pediatric ICU nurse. During that time, I was really growing my deep passion and love for all things money and finance. And I was able to set myself up financially to leave bedside nursing and to transition into nurse entrepreneurship as a financial coach specifically for nurses. And so that's what my day-to-day -day looks like now. I help nurses with all things related to money from saving more, making more, investing more, working on their money mindset, and really getting them to where they want to be with their financial goals. Amazing. Amazing. So this is actually a really important topic because I think that a lot of nurses, you know, we're taught about the medical field, but we're not taught, we're not taught really anything when it comes to finances. Yeah. So um, a lot of people become nurses and it, it's a big step up for them financially. But mm -hmm. then the next question is, you know, what do we do with this money that we now have? Right. So um, what is one of the biggest challenges that you have dealing with nurses? Yeah, I think you hit on something right there when you said, nurses aren't used to working, dealing with managing this bigger income, right? Because you go from most likely being a college student, not making as much money to then all of a sudden having all this income you have to manage. And so the one thing that all nurses I've worked with have struggled with is managing their money from a place of where they want to be and what they value versus their income. They're so focused on, oh, I make 70, $80,000, 100K. They're so focused on that number and what they think that number should buy them. So 
they very easily and very quickly inflate their lifestyle as a result. So that means they are spending more usually than what they can actually afford because they make really good money. They should be able to have luxurious trips and cars and handbags and fancy apartments. I'm not saying you can't have those things, but nurses struggle with really looking inward and saying, hey, what do I really like? What do I really care about? Not so much what can this higher income give me? Yeah, so you know what? I think I've heard about that. I think there's a term for it. I think it's called income creep or something yes. like that. Have you heard of that? Lifestyle, what is it? Lifestyle, lifestyle creep. Yes, yes. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that um, a lot of people have this misconception. They think that, um, I, I think that like a lot of nurses come out of school and they think, oh, I can get this and get that and get this, but they're not thinking about um, retirement, you know, a lot of the things that are going to be important in the long run, right? So, um, yeah. so when it comes to retirement, do you find that a lot of nurses are familiar with that topic? Definitely not. Most nurses um, have this idea that, hey, um, that's so off into the future, like no big deal. Like I have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to save up for it. And what I wish if I could have like a megaphone and tell every nurse this is you don't have to wait until your 60s to retire. You actually can retire whenever you have enough money saved and invested to live off of. There's no age requirement. You can retire in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Um, and so most nurses have this idea that I have to wait until my 60s. My 60s is so far away, I can put this off. Um, and when nurses work with me, they very quickly find out that they probably should have started way sooner than um, where they're at right now because one of the most important things when it comes to building wealth and being able to retire comfortably is just starting as soon as you can because you're just giving your money more time to grow for you. Yeah, and I think that's really important because I think that a lot of people think that, you know, something that they can put off or they think yeah. that, um, oh, or maybe when they're older, they think, oh, it's too late for me to do that or I'm too young to worry about that, right? So it's all over the spectrum, right? So um, that's, a, that's a really incredible point that you brought up. So um, I do believe there is something called the four money scripts and um, that yes. you're, and, yes, and I'm not really familiar with that as well. So I'm actually really interested to hear about this. Could you please explain it for us? Yeah, so there are four money scripts, and these are basically um, categories that you can fall into, which highlight how you think and how you feel about your money. And more importantly, it gets its name from the words that you say in your head about your money, your money scripts, like the actual dialogue you have in your head. Um, and I also want to stress that these four money scripts, it's not like you're locked into one for like the rest of your life. There often is overlap and there also is transitions between this money script to that money script, depending on where you are in your life. Um, so the four are money um, avoidance, um, money worship, um, money status, and money avoidance, or excuse me, money vigilance is the fourth one. Um, but I really want to, if you don't mind, I think the other three are really important, but I really want to stress money avoidance because that's actually the category that nurses, um, social workers, teachers, basically anybody in the helping profession test really high in is in this money script of money avoidance. And that basically means that 
you associate money as being bad and money as something you don't deserve, right? So what does that translate into? You don't ask for a raise. You um, don't look at your budget. You um, give money away when you do have it in terms of treating your family and friends out. Um, and so I think it's a really interesting way to look at money because you can really dig deeper and say, what in my childhood has forced me or has led me to think this way? And how is this impacting me now in my 20s, 30s, and 40s? Mm, that's interesting. Because um, I was about to ask, you know, where do you think that those thoughts come from? But you said that it might come from childhood? Yes, a lot of our um, uh, mindsets and behaviors about money, they often most likely have been formed at a really young age before the age of seven or eight. And those really, really play a big factor in how you think and feel about money right now. Oftentimes when I talk to my nurse clients, the conversation goes to, well, what, do your, what did your parents tell you about money? What did you see um, growing up with money? Was it that money was abundant and you always had it? Or was it, this is something we have to protect. We have to save it. We have to keep it here just in case. And those those feelings that you had as a kid of craving security and craving safety, those have traveled with you throughout the years and are manifesting in hoarding cash and not investing, right? In thinking that there's not enough and that I have to protect it and, and do this right now because there won't be enough things in the future. Interesting. So what do you, what do you think are some things that we could do to resolve some of those those um, mental thoughts that we have around money. Yeah, that's huge. And specifically for money avoidance, one of the biggest things is to have conversations about money. And number two, learning about our money. Because when we can speak to parents, coworkers, friends, and we can confide in how we're thinking and feeling about our money, we're able to draw attention to it, right? And so, so much of this requires self-awareness and that's hard, right? If you're not actively having these conversations, listening to these podcasts in this circle of other nurses trying to improve their finances, if you can't open your mouth and take the things in here and put it out into the universe, it's really hard to create any form of change. So the first thing I would say is to start having conversations about money with the people that you feel feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's a really big start that I yeah, that's a huge step. And I think that, um, like I said, I'm really glad that you're sharing this information, because I haven't, I myself haven't heard about a lot of these things. And I'm sure a lot of other nurses haven't. So um what would you also mind touching on the other just touching on the other three um money scripts? Yes, yeah, I have my notes because there's so many things these money scripts and I don't want to leave one out. So number 2 right. is money status. And so the actual money scripts, the things if you do and there are quizzes online grace and I can send them to you. Um some are paid, some are free, so I'll make sure to um put it, give you a good mix. Um but for money status, the things that you're saying in your head is that um, you are only successful if you have money, right? Um, and the amount of worth that you have as a human being is tied to the numbers you see in your bank account. Um, and so as a result, that um, looks like 
overspending, right? It looks like um, trying to keep up appearances um, and the effects in terms of money and finance is really overspending. Um, people who have gambling disorders, people who have um, any form of like financial dependence and interestingly enough, also financial infidelity where you um, may lie to a financial partner test high in this money script as well. Um, and then this um, next one is um, money worship. And so this is classic, like money is power um, and it's hard. You can't be happy um, and poor. Like those two things don't work together. Um, and so this one is more so focused on happiness is tied to the things that I have, right? Um, and so these people who test in high in this category most often have a form of um, workaholism. It's it's I'm thinking of the nurses who always pick up shifts, are always working overtime, are always picking up call because they have to do that to afford um, all the things that they um, are purchasing. And then I think number four is the most drastically different out of the first three, and that's money vigilance. And ironically enough, this money script, although there are um, definite downsides, these people have the best financial numbers. And um, these are the people who um, are afraid of all things money. So they're very hyper aware and hyper fixated, right? These are the people who have Excel sheets, track every penny, um, are extremely, extremely frugal. So you, of course, they're going to have more savings, um, be very mindful of their spending. But the big downside to that is they're very risk adverse um, because they're so vigilant about their money. So they're less likely to um, put their money in the stock market because they're afraid of you know their money disappearing or that it being too risky. Yeah. So for that one, are those people, um, what kind of Demogra um like financial demo uh socioeconomic situation are those type of people typically in? Are they usually people that are in poverty? Yeah, so people who test high with um, money vigilance typically come from um, a lower socioeconomic status. So uh, potentially growing up um, in poverty, and they come, you know, they get out of it, and they're making money for themselves, and so they feel super, super um, fixated on making sure they do the right things with their money, which is great, uh, but again, has those downsides as well, um, and also. Um, people who immigrated here, who um, are used to this like immigrant, work hard, make the American dream come true kind of mindset. Right, right. And um, and I, I know that like you have shared with me that you are from another country and I am as well. Um, yeah. So uh, me and April, we both immigrated to the US as small children. So yeah. I think that that plays a huge role in the way that we see money. So if you don't yeah. mind me asking, you know, how did, how did you, um, how did that, like being from another country, like how did that affect the way mm -hmm. that you see money? Oh my God. Huge, huge. Um, when I immigrated here, my, um, parents worked really, really hard. We had a budget of anytime we went to the store, I have 
really clear, distinct memories of going to the Salvation Army and my mom saying, okay, no t-shirts above $5, no jeans above $10. Like I knew I was budgeting ever since I was a little girl. Um, but in terms of how that has impacted me with how I view my money, I think I've been able to be so successful with my money because I was very self-aware of those things that happened to me growing up and those experiences I had of really growing up under um, a scarcity mindset, thinking that, you know, we have to save, we really have to um, make sure we're protected from any bad things happening. Um, so because I was so self-aware, I really think I've been able to have a really healthy relationship with my money. Um, and now I can really relate very easily and very quickly to any other nurse who, you know, has is an immigrant or who grew up in a similar background where parents were always working, hustling, every dollar had to be um, spent mindfully um, and very intentionally, not out of like, ooh, like I want to be mindful, but like, this is what we have to do to survive kind of thing. Right. And I, I'm sure that in, that in a way that gives you kind of like an extra edge like because you're able to help nurses that are immigrants on, on a particular level because you know you've been through it so I'm sure you're able to help them pretty well right yeah and it, it's it, it touches on on so many levels too and and um, this is also not something I talk about a lot but when you do do all those things with your money and your finance and you are building wealth and, and money is coming to you and you have no debt and you're able to do all these things, there's a whole other set of um, mindset barriers you have to overcome as wealth is coming to you because that's not something that I was used to growing up, right? So not just the strategy of like, how do I invest? How do I invest passively? But it's how do I make sure my mindset matches and can take me to that next level in my wealth building journey? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, like I said, that's super important stuff. Um, and now I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and ask about uh, financial guilt and shame. What could you yeah. tell me about that? Yeah, so this can be a very heavy topic. Um, if you have never heard, or if you think these two things are similar, I want to first talk about um, how they're different. So financial guilt is more so I accidentally overspent buy like a hundred dollars this week, like, oops, my bad. Like I shouldn't have done that. I feel really bad. I feel guilty. That's financial guilt. Financial shame is a lot heavier. Um, if you feel financial shame, it's this feeling of I overspent and I am a bad person, right? So you're associating and attaching these financial actions to your actual self-worth and identity and the effects of financial guilt aren't as heavy or as strong as financial shame because with financial shame, that's so attached to who you are as an individual. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. Like there's so, yeah, I think a lot of people put guilt and shame in the same category, but it's really not the same thing. There's a complete, there's a fine line right in between the two of those. Do you tend to see those, th those factors in your clients? In a handful of clients, definitely. And the biggest, there's a lot to financial shame, but what makes it really tricky, extra tricky is 
sure, we can make a budget. Sure, we can make a plan to pay off debt. Sure, I can teach you about Roth IRAs all day long, but it's really hard for um, nurses to actually implement those things, but sustain that long-term. If you at your core believe that you are a bad person because of your past um, financial mistakes or financial things you really didn't know better about. Um, and so that's definitely something that I've seen with my clients. And the biggest way to overcome that, we've talked about it before, um, is having those conversations because um, number one, nurses don't talk about how much they make, how they feel about their money at all. Um, and number two, if you can't, again, speak it out loud, how are we, how is anyone able to help you? How are you able to get better if it's all living inside your head? Um, so one of the first things that you can do, if you're feeling these feelings, if anything that I'm saying is resonating or hitting a nerve is open your mouth and have a conversation with somebody, whether that be a trusted friend, um, a financial coach, a teacher, your mom, your dad, whoever. Yeah. And I think um, Dr. Brene Brown, I believe she has a quote about shame, um, something about speaking it out loud, or yeah. um, it might have been someone else. I don't, maybe it wasn't Dr. Brown, but it was someone I, I heard that like shame needs to be spoken out loud, right? Like shame lives in the darkness, but when we speak it out loud, you know, we can bring some, some light into it. And, um, yeah, so I think, so, um, yeah, and there's a, there's a psycho, um, a psychologist that I listen to um, on a regular basis and he typically tells, um, the callers that call in when they're dealing with shame, um, they say, he tells them, you know what, tomorrow I want you to get a group of your girlfriends and just tell them the truth, like tell them yeah. the truth about like someone you trust, right. And tell them the truth about what's going on at your marriage, what's going on with the, your situation with this and just let it out because a lot of times we're holding all that in it, and it feels like a lie because we're not speaking our truth. So yeah. um, I really like this conversation because I like that we're talking about the mental health aspect of, yeah. of um, money because I think yeah. that a lot of it, a lot of times when it comes to money, it, it feels like it's more numerical. It's just numbers and charts and Excel sheets and stuff. Yeah. But I think that it's really important to touch on the mental health part about it. And what, what are some things that you would suggest when it comes to um, financial self-care? Yeah. So um, one thing that I actually assigned to a client this week um, and, and in the beginning, it may not sound like it, I prom but I promise you at the end, it is a form of financial self-care. Um, one thing that nurses can do right now um, is whether you use a debit card or a credit card to, you know, pay for all the life things, I want you to actually print out that statement. Um, print out everything that you spent, um, let's just say, for that month. Okay. And similar to nursing where we say, hey, how much pain are you in? A lot of pain, 10, no pain, zero. I want you to go through every single line of what you spent money on in the past month and rate it. I want you to rate it and say, all right, number 10, this was something that I'm so happy about. Like this gave me so much value. This was so aligned with what I really care about or zero. Like, that was something I didn't really need. I bought it because I felt peer pressured to. I bought it because I kept seeing the stupid ad about it, right? And so when you're able to really 
dig deep, not at just what you bought, but how you felt or feel after that purchase, you're really able to look inside and say, hey, was this aligned or not aligned? And that information can guide you moving forward. So when you are on Amazon, when you are in Target, you can say, hey, I took a moment of financial self-care to reflect and say, is this really true to how I want to spend my money or not? So that you can slowly build this muscle of spending money intentionally. Okay. So the goal is to spend money intentionally and maybe not buy things out of guilt or is that, is that what you mean? Yeah. Guilt and, or, um, other feelings. I want nurses to feel confident with spending money. Spending money should feel good, right? Spending, we work really hard. We should feel really good about spending our money. But what I find more when I look at, you know, the habits of nurses, when they spend money, it really comes down to, um, I kept seeing this ad. I was really tired. I was hungry. I felt stressed. I felt overwhelmed. I wanted to feel better. It felt really good to have that moment of, Ooh, I rewarded myself. So I'm not saying those feelings are necessarily bad, but let's explore what it feels like to spend money from a place of like, I've been really looking forward to this purchase. I know this is aligned with what I can spend and all my other spending goals. So instead of those other feelings, what does it feel like and what does it look like to spend money from a place of like, I've been planning for this, I really want this, and this feels exciting and good versus swiping that credit card and saying, ooh, I don't know if I should have done that, right? Right. And speaking of swiping credit cards, um, I know that there's a lot... There's Black Fridays coming up and, and like, and, and, you know, that can bring up a lot of feelings, right? Um, when we're making these purchases, like, oh, like, you know, feelings of guilt or, oh, I probably shouldn't buy that. I don't have the funds, you know, I really shouldn't be using my credit card for this or, um, oh, I feel like I spent a lot on this. I, I don't know how I'm going to recover from this, you know, things like that. A lot of things come up. So do you have any, like, what would you say like to someone like that that's, that's dealing with all this, these holidays that are coming up. Cause this is a, de- a big season of spending <laughs> that's coming up. Yes. And already, people have already started shopping. So yeah. Yes. Number one, um, nurses always tell me, well, this is 20% off. And I say, is that something you really want? Because it's a hundred percent off if we don't buy it and we don't yeah. need it. Right. So don't get tricked by marketing. Number one thing you can do right now, and this has such a huge impact, not only on your wallet, but your mental health and mental clarity is unsubscribe from marketing emails. Unsubscribe from marketing emails because you're not, it's your subconscious that's picking up this messaging of, oh, 20% off, 50% off, buy two, get one free, right? So you can really take your power back by controlling what you're seeing. And of course, if you are, you know, out in the world and you see things, you can't control that, but you are in control of what is in your inbox. What is on your Instagram feed? Are you following people who say, oh my goodness, I bought X, Y, and Z on Prime Day and it's amazing and fantastic. Are those the people that you're idolizing, looking up to, filling your brain with? Or is it somebody, something, someone that's like, hey, um, how do you want to spend your money? Is it for savings, vacations, retirement, or is it stuck in this consumerism culture? So if you have those feelings, those um, 
of, you know, oh my goodness, big spending season coming up. I want you to focus on what you can control in terms of the things that you're seeing and reading. Yeah. Um, these also, I think it's important to point out that these companies, they spend a lot of money on marketing and they have marketing experts that study the psychology when it comes to spending. So their job is literally to get you to spend as much money as possible. And yeah. um, they have different tactics. And I, I know, um, like I said, 20% off and they, uh, they create urgency and then creates FOMO, like fear of missing out. And <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to try to get you and um, free shipping, um, yeah. fill up your cart to this amount. And then people think, I, I think I saw a meme that said like, girl math is thinking <laughs> that, and you probably saw it too, maybe, but like girl math is thinking, well, I'm wasting money on shipping if I don't get more, yeah. more stuff to get free shipping. Yeah. So I think we're all kind of guilty of that to an extent. Um, and something that you said that's also important is um, I remember hearing that somewhere too, where you where you basically said you said it well that it's well it's twenty percent off but it's a hundred percent off if you don't get it at all. And I remember yeah. thinking, oh well, I never actually thought of it that way, you know. <laughs> yes. so. and I think it also ties in too with just this financial literacy problem we have, e-literacy problem, excuse me, because if I'm telling you don't do this, what's the replacement, right? If you don't know what it means to invest, if you don't know what it means to have a high yield savings account, then you're just telling me what I'm not getting, right? And so I think this conversation, we also have to pair it with, well, if you're not doing that, what are you doing, right? And that really is spending money intentionally where you aren't um, making other companies rich, where you can maybe invest in those companies, right? So one thing I always like to say is if you are a nurse and you're getting Starbucks and you're getting that multiple times a month, why don't you skip a month and buy a stock of Starbucks, right? And it's really shifting your mindset from a consumer consuming what they're making to being an owner and buying those things that you are consuming so that when you go to Starbucks, you're like, hey, I own I own a piece of this, right? <laughs> Um, so it really, it, there's a lot of parts to it, um, but I think we definitely can't focus on restriction and not buying stuff around this season, but also adding, what are we getting? Oh, yeah, that's powerful. I never thought of it that way either, where it's, well, you can either buy from this company or you can buy a part of the company, right? <laughs> I've never heard that. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful. It's so powerful. And it was pretty funny when I was on my investing journey when when I bought my first share of Target, because every time I walked into Target, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I was there today. <laughs> they get me every time. Like, yeah. yeah. And I do feel a little bit less guilty when I walk in there because I'm like, all right, I have, I, I'm part of this. The money that I'm really buying, I'm like giving back to myself, which is not at all how it works. But um, that was sort of like the thought process with that. So it was a pretty funny thing. Right. And what, um, now you got me thinking about Target. So, <laughs> so I'm the type of person that, and like, I promise this is financial, but when, yeah. when I go to Target and everyone's guilty of this, right? When I yeah. go to Target, I'm like, okay, I need to get one or two things. Yeah. And then I end up with like, oh, I kind of need this. And then I start going down this aisle and then I'm like, oh, well, I could use that. And then I end up, everyone ends up spending way more than what they really wanted to, to like, 
they intentionally went out to buy. So do you have any advice on that? Yes, definitely. So so much. Um, Okay. So with Target specifically, sorry, my brain, like there's so many things with Target that I could like talk about, but one thing I think would be really important and this ties into what I said earlier about like, who are the people we're following? Who are we listening to? Especially with Target, there is this thing on social media where we joke about it, right? And it's funny, right? Like, oh my mm. goodness, I went to Target and I was supposed to spend $10, but I spent 100 right? Like we make a joke out of it, right? And so if we can recognize that as a marketing trend, something that was strategic um, and something that's in place to get us to spend more money and how that justifies us spending more money, we can take a step back and say, Ooh, is that actually okay? Right. And so if we can call out this culture of like, we're joking about not hitting our financial goals, we're joking about not spending money intentionally. Like are my financial goals a joke, right? Like it changes the, the, the narrative and it it gives you more control to say like, no, my retirement goals are not a joke. My debt payoff goals are not a joke. I'm going into Target because I got goals and I'm not part of this social media trend where like, ha ha, I was supposed to spend $2 and I spent 200. Right. There's a lot of, um, I guess I'll call them memes or internet jokes that around <laughs> stuff like that. Um, and I think that that's a powerful way to reframe it because I think a lot of us think, oh, well, that's just how it is. And I'm just going to be a I guess also use the word victim like victim to the system right is that the right word is that a strong too strong of a word or no I think that's perfect and like nurses do this all the time too like haha like we're so underpaid like oh my goodness I spent all weekend because I had to de-stress because our shifts last week were terrible right like as nurses we we have a very twisted sense of humor because of what we do, but that also bleeds into how we view our money and how we joke and how we cope with what we're dealing with, right? And so if we're financially stressed, we cope with it through these memes, through these jokes. And that's why those pages get so many likes and those videos get so many likes because so many people feel that way. But at its core, we're trying to make ourselves feel better, right? And that's just a temporary band-aid for the bigger problem of financial illiteracy, right? Not knowing how to invest, not knowing how to save, not knowing all those things. Um, so, yes. Yeah, because, yeah, there are a lot of um, nurse jokes. And I think that we have to kind of have a dark sense of humor to kind of cope with what we do, because what we do is kind of dark sometimes. And like, I see stuff like, haha, I have to, you know, drink a bottle of wine every time I get home from work. Haha, I have to. And it's like, that's not normal. <laughs> like, you know, that is huge. That is a big one. Like alcoholism within nursing. And again, like we are making a joke out of it to justify a bigger issue. Right. And again, all the problems with healthcare and nursing and unsafe staffing and all those things bleed into how we think and feel about our money. And more times than not, nurses look at it as a way to feel better versus a way to help them reach their goals. So if we can look at our money and finances zoomed out, right? Like what can I do for five-year version me, 10-year version me, instead of 
what can I do for myself in this moment? And that definitely speaks to how everybody wants instant gratification, right? Um, so there's a lot of factors at play. And I don't think nurses are thinking of, well, I was stressed out at work and I'm around people who constantly joke this way. And that's why I'm in credit card debt, right? Like nurses don't make that leap. Um, and that's why self-awareness with money is so, so important. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and I think that also touches on self-care, right? Because I think that, I think it's this thing that, like I said, it's something we joke about. And the thing is, the things that we're doing to cope with our feelings, like we're spending money on like alcohol and, you know, other like going on like re like um, retail therapy or like, you know, different ways to cope with the actual root of the problem. When there's other ways that we could take care of ourselves that don't cost money and are not detrimental to our, our health and our bank account. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many free things we can do, but there's something about spending money that we work so hard for that gives us that hit of feel good hormones. Um, and that's so ingrained in our profession, but also society, but free things that you can do. We are social people. We are social creatures, especially us as nurses, even if we don't like to admit it. Um, you can talk, call a friend, FaceTime with a friend, go take a walk with a friend for free, right? And I know somebody listening to this is probably like, that's so lame. Like I want to buy X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying you can't have those things. Let's do it in a balanced way. And there, I say this so many times, and this is probably the one thing I repeat most to all my clients is, is this sustainable? Can you do this for the next month, for the next year, for the next five years, right? Um, and there's so many different pathways to building wealth. There's so many pathways to becoming debt-free. And yes, like there are people who do live off of ramen and rice and beans and they do their thing and that's fine. But my approach to money and finance is doing it in a way that's sustainable where you can still feel good. Because at the end of the day, like statistically, we should all live long into like our 80s. But there also is this balance of life is short. And I do want my clients and I myself want to enjoy all the things that I work hard for. But it's really, again, how do we enjoy the here and now and spend money in a way that feels good? But also, how do we feed our future selves so that we can continue to have options and continue to have these amazing experiences? And that's really coaching, right? It's it's finding that balance of like, hey, does this feel good? Did we go too far? Or you feel really good. Can we push this a little bit further? Can we save a little bit more? Um, and so it's very nuanced and it takes time to find your balance. Right. And I, and I know that I've, I've spoken you, with you before on an IG live and wow. I believe you had said that, you know, when you work with your clients, um, you work with them on an individual basis. So you don't have a blanket, yeah. uh, you know, statement of, nope, this is how you have to do it. You know, you work with each person's intuition and their goals and how they feel about money and their mindset around money. Like, yeah. is that, is that how you work? Yeah. Exactly. Because for me, for example, my vision of 
reaching my financial dreams and goals is so different from all my clients. So on my intake form, that's my number one question. What is your financial dream? What does that look like for you? If this is your dream, let's work backwards and talk about all the steps to get you there. I have a client who is in a long-term relationship um, and she is going back to grad school and she has no, <laughs> no goals, no vision of retiring early. She's like, I love nursing. I want to stay in nursing. I just want to have more options in case I change my mind. Right. And then I have clients who are more so like what I did were like, all right, I want to retire early. I want to start my side hustle. I want to start a business. So there's no way you can put a blanket statement. I do have a framework. I have something that I, you know, help walk my clients through, but that whole process is so personalized to how we think and feel about our money right? I have a client who is coming from a place of really deep financial scarcity, financial shame, financial guilt, all that. And I have other clients who aren't on that spectrum. So the approach is super personalized and the pace is also super personalized as well, because that's the thing that overwhelms nurses the most is if it's one thing to make a change, but it's like how Frequently, are you implementing those changes? Um, and so the pace of everything is also really personalized. Yeah, that's good. Because I think that if some nurses think, oh, well, I have like one week to get, figure it, all of this out and just get it all together, then I think some nurses will probably get scared off, right? If they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always say like, are we doing too much? Like, how are we feeling? How's our energy level, right? And Aside from financial coaching, I also dive deep on like, are we sleeping? Are we eating? Are we feeling good at work? Like, how are those things going? Because my client knows she overspends when she's stressed out at work and when they're short staffed, right? So I'm always like, okay, how is staffing this week? Like, how how is that making us feel, right? So it's, yes, like we're talking about money and finance and budgets and investing and all the things, but it's also connected with everything else happening in our lives, right? Like, did you get in a fight with your boyfriend? Um, is your dog doing okay? How's your, how's your sleeping habits? I'm obsessed with that. Like I'm obsessed with the fact that you, <laughs> that you like actually check in with like, not just their financial goals, but you, you check in on, you know, the, the like important parts of self-care, like how's your sleep? You know, yeah. what's your, like, your, like, relationships like? Yeah. I think that's really good. And it feels very holistic, almost. It's very, yeah. like, a, a holistic, pro a, a holistic yeah. approach, right? Yeah. And, like, how, how can I expect my clients to make really strong, intentional financial decisions if they're sleep deprived, right? That makes no sense. And so that's exactly my approach. It's very holistic and making sure that, yes, you understand the you know, what most people think, like a zero-based budget, the app, like all those things with money, but that usually grace is not the problem. The, the problem is it understanding what to do because you most likely know what you should be doing. It's digging further and saying, why aren't you doing those things, right? And often it's can be their sleep, other factors in their life, but more more likely it's their mindset and what's going on in their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it all kind of comes down to mindset, right? It's not just, here you go. This is what you do. It's, it's very individualized. Yes. And 
the process don't stop. Like people look at me and they're like, oh my goodness, like you're doing it. I'm like, I still have all these obstacles and hurdles that I'm facing too with my money mindset. And I actively get coached on how I think and feel about my money now that I'm at a different level, now that I'm debt free and working towards early retirement. So if anybody listening thinks that you're gonna make it to this spot and there's gonna be no more issues, that doesn't exist, right? the mindset obstacles continue to evolve and that just challenges you to evolve with it. Um, Making more money is not the answer. It really is learning how to think and feel better about your money, regardless of where you're at on your journey. I love that you, um, I love like coaches in general that are real about where they're at, you know, because it, it feels less like, Oh, you're the money god. Like you're the, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes you feel more real because it's it's like, okay, well, if she's still kind of like working on stuff, then okay, well, you know, like maybe, you know, we're we're kind of all in this together, right? Oh my goodness, absolutely. Like there's so many things I still have a hard time with my money and my finance. I'll give um an example right now. Um we are on the path to early retirement and we have a really good amount of money invested, but we're at this space of like that balance I was talking about earlier, right? Of like, well, do we continue to keep investing like really aggressively or like, should we cool off and like spend more money like on a daily basis, right? And the decision that we've made together as a couple is we are very intentional now actually about not investing, which may sound crazy depending on where you are. But um, again, your continue your problems will continue to change and the challenges you face will continue to change. So for us, it was really, okay, we've thought a lot about our future selves. Now, how can we feed our experiences in the here and now? Um, so again, I am not immune to any financial issues, financial <laughs> obstacles, hurdles at all. Yes. And I, I, I follow you, of course. And I, I see that you're pretty real about like your, your financial experiences and you're pretty transparent about like your, your finances and how, how it's going for you and the, the good and the bad. So I think that's really good. Um, yeah. So if, and to wrap up this interview, um, if you could share just something for the listeners, for the nurses, um, what's one thing that you would What's one message that you would like to leave them with? Yeah. Um, ooh, this is a good one. Um, as it pertains to money, finance, whether that be you're trying to pay off debt, whether that be trying to build an emergency fund, starting to invest, whatever that is, if you can find something that feels fun and something that feels good, that is going to directly impact the level of success of success you have in reaching that goal, right? And so I was able to find my success through having weekly money dates. And that's something I've been doing for the past five years. And it's something I genuinely look forward to every single week. So I challenge you to find something fun as it relates to your money and your finance. Does that mean you go out by yourself, get a nice dinner and you are have your laptop with you, you sit at the bar and you are looking at your debt information, right? 
course, that may not feel fun, but you're in a fun environment, right? So if you can do anything with your money, um, it, as step one is ask this question, how can I make this process fun and enjoyable so that I can continue to keep showing up for myself? Yeah, that, that's super important because if you make it enjoyable, you're more likely to stick with it. Exactly. And that's why I'm all about like trying to be real with our money and finance and just making it more relatable because there doesn't have to be this thing that only certain people in society have access to, right? Like everybody has access to wealth and, and abundance of money. It's just how, what does that look like for you? And what can you do today to make that fun and realistic? Um, I'm a big fan of music. Um, I have a money date playlist every single week. That's something I look forward to. So whether that be going out to a dinner, um, playing music, anything you can do to make that process fun, that is something that you are really doing for yourself to continue to keep up with those habits. Awesome. So if there's any nurses out there that might be interested in working with you, where can they find you? Yeah. So everything across all social media is nurse money date. I am most active on Instagram. Um, my virtual door is always open. If you have any questions at all, just please send me a DM. Um, I also have sent to Grace um, three free resources for you. The first one is a free network, right? We don't do anything in the hospital. We don't give you anything until we get your vitals, right? Same thing with money. It's a good place to start because you can know um, where your finances stand. Um, and the other freebie is 100 ideas to increase your net worth. So it's half ideas on how to save money and the other half is how to make more money. And then um, the third is a link to join my weekly uh, newsletter. Um, so I send out weekly like tips and advice on things that you can implement into your life. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and share those links in the description of this episode to make it easier for the listeners to find them. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, April, for speaking with me today. I think what you do is so important and you're making such a great impact on nurses all around the world. So just keep up what you're doing because we really need the information that you're sharing with us today. You're so sweet. Thank you so much, Grace. And thank you for inviting me to be here. And I love the space that you're creating and everything that you're talking about. You know, I am a regular listener. So this was such a joy to be here in conversation with you.